all you entrepreneurs and small business people, you are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm an entrepreneur who's made a lot of mistakes. I truly want to help you out there not make some of those same mistakes. The show is also meant to inspire. I found at least being an entrepreneur confusing, sometimes lonely. You often have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on this show every week who are willing to share their stories and their advice, to bear their soul, if you will, and help you benefit. And my guest this week is Maria Onesto Moran. She is the CEO and founder of a company called Green Home Experts. And she's going to talk about what they do and her journey as an entrepreneur. She's been in business for a number of years, but has done some pivots along the way, which is now, I think, not atypical for lots of entrepreneurs out there. So with that introduction, Maria, thanks for being with me today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Having me. It's a delight to have you. So tell us a little bit about your business. What do you do and who do you do it for? Well, as you said before, I own a company called Green Home Experts, and we are a company that supports the energy efficiency programs throughout the state of Illinois. Our customers are public utilities, and each one of them has programs that help businesses and residential customers uh, save on their energy bills. And we typically help them with product supply, um, program outreach, and um, even some of the, uh, the technician support for their programs. Do most people even know about these programs? I mean, is this something you have to ask your utility about? Or is this something like I got something from ComEd the other day that said, apparently I use 57% more energy than my neighbors, which I was embarrassed about. But strangely, when I called ComEd, they said, oh, everybody gets those. Don't pay attention. To mm-hmm. So is that how it starts or some other way? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. So I, I have also been the recipient of those letters. I think it's just a sort of a strong arm marketing t- tactic uh, that I assure you we are not behind. No, um, if I you look at your, <laughs> If you look at your ComEd bill um, every month, you'll see um, there's a line item for energy efficiency programs. So the programs are ratepayer funded. Um, and they are available to us in a variety of different ways. Uh, we talk about ComEd a lot because they're the electrical utility for 70% of the state, but Ameren, Illinois also supports energy efficiency programs. So anytime you see something about a NICOR gas energy efficiency program or ComEd or Ameren, um, typically there are smaller companies like mine behind the scenes who are really oh, driving those programs. Oh, Interesting. Interesting. So why do the utilities have these programs? There's a variety of different reasons. Um, Something that came into play for us um, a few years ago is the Future Energy Jobs Act, which um, 
basically changed the way that these energy efficiency funds were managed. They used to be managed directly by the state. And I don't think we have to spend too much time talking about how the state of Illinois used to handle its finances. Um, no, no, let's not go there. That we'll, no, we'll, just, we'll just keep going. Yeah, right. This, this interview would go right off the cliff and keep going for the rest of the hour, I'm afraid. Exactly. So luckily for us, FIJA, the Future Energy Jobs Act, said, you know what? We're going to have the utilities be responsible for this. And what that did was open up a lot of opportunities for companies like mine um, to help the state reach some pretty significant goals um, in terms of energy efficiency. And now we've also celebrated last year the passage of the Clean Energy Jobs Act, which has put into place some significant um, goals around clean energy, like wind power and solar power, um, and so we'll see we'll see some of those changes coming down the pipeline. Very cool. Well, let's go back to your business. How did you get started with this business? When did you start, and why did you start it? Well, I was very grateful that you started your show off talking about change because change is the name of our game. Um, in two thousand seven, I started a company that doesn't look much like Green Home Experts does today. My husband and I had recently purchased um, our first condo, and we were interested in making some home improvements uh, and wanted them to be green. Uh, we wanted non-toxic paint. We wanted a water-efficient toilet. And you just couldn't find that stuff anywhere in store. Wow. You could find it online, but um, I didn't really want to be picking out paint colors online. Yeah. So I started Green Home Experts as basically a green building supply store, and we carried, you know, recycled glass countertops, um, floor and cabinets. It was wonderful. The part that wasn't wonderful is I managed to start um, a green building company right at the start of the Great Recession and the housing crisis. Oh, boy. So we very shortly had to add what I called a general store, which was a blast. We had green baby items. We had green cleaning supplies. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We expanded into a garden center, which was always my favorite part of the shop and had a great eight-year run being a green building and home supply store. Very cool. And then, (laughs) in just a weird fluke, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can understand this, we had somebody come to us and say, hey, could you distribute the supplies for some of these energy efficiency programs? And you know, Doris, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I actually said no. I was like, oh, I don't really know anything about that stuff. Since then, I have learned, say yes, and then figure it out later on. (laughs) Uh, That's a good mantra for lots of entrepreneurs, just to say yes and figure it out. It, 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 it has definitely served me well um, and accounts for about 25% of my gray hairs. But um, <laughs> you know, we started distributing the products for this energy efficiency program, and it was wonderful. The work was easy. The margins were great. It was a great fit for us. And that program got bigger and bigger. And before you know it, having a showroom with interior designers on staff wasn't really fitting where the biggest revenue was coming in. Yeah, interesting. A warehouse and a freight dock and people who wanted to pack boxes, not design kitchens. And it was real it was it was a real strange time in my life because all of a sudden my dream had changed. 
Do you literally have people that go out to do energy audits or look for leaks or test for inefficiencies in equipment and things like that? Or do you do other things? We have done that work before. We've since in the past, I would say three years, we've refined our work a little bit more to make our lives easier. And so what we really do is we dis- we distribute the product for the technicians who are going and doing that work. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've really refined what we do to be product distribution. And so in, in 2015, um, I just kind of took a leap and said, you know what? I love the showroom. I love my staff. I love my customers. I'm still in touch with many of them to this day, but where we're making the money just doesn't fit the staff in the building that I have. So what did you do with all the inventory in the showroom and the people? Were you able to sell it to someone else or you just closed it? Yeah, I sold off as much as I could. Um, I have a friend in Wisconsin who's had a green building supply company. Um, He started long before I did and is still in business. So I was able to give him a lot of our product, sold off as much as we could. Um, It was difficult to have to let my staff is my right-hand man at the shop um, back in 20, you know, up until 2015. He actually just rejoined our company this year. Wow, good. Amazing. Yeah, so we shut down the showroom. Um, I took a minute to give birth to my third son. (laughs) And then it was off to the race. Wow. um, Yeah, you know, we're we're in a a warehouse in Lyons, Illinois. um, And spend our days packing boxes, delivering product. Um, It's, there's never a quiet day here at the warehouse. Yeah. Well, you know, talk about how you add value to the, and how the whole, I guess, energy um, audits or the whole energy efficiency programs that the utilities have. I mean, why why do we have those? Is why are, why is this whole segment of the industry important, and uh, what should people know about it? Such a great question. You know, at this point, I think everyone understands the importance of energy efficiency, um, clean energy, and you know, a, a lot of times we all are just we can only do so much, right? So there's only so much we can do in our homes. Some people are able to make some changes at their business or where they work. Um, And they can drive those programs because they have the marketing prowess, they have the the trust from the public, and of course the know-how. One of the very important goals that was put forth through FIJA is that finally, for the first time, the utilities were going to do more than pay lip service to employing diverse businesses and diverse contractors to do this work. Ah. And I like to say that having our WBE certification gets us in the door. Tell people that don't know what WBE certification is. We're a certified woman-owned business enterprise, which means that more than 50% of the business is owned by a woman. Lucky for me, because I don't like to share, um, I own 100% of the business. (laughs) Good for you. Yes, it has its perks. So there 
really aren't any other minority-owned suppliers in Illinois who do what we do. Our customers are great at program design. They're great at getting the word out about energy efficiency. They're really engaged in um, community action agencies and social service agencies and schools um, to communicate with people about the importance of energy efficiency. Here's how you can do it. Here's why it's important. And here are some products to help you get started. So they do all the hard work and then we just ship the, the product at the end of the day. Fantastic. Well, talk about your background. You've been an entrepreneur for quite some time and pivoted. You make it sound easy. I'm sure it wasn't at all. But, you know, what brought you to the place of saying, I want to have my own business? Yeah, I can tell you it's not my sociology degree. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was. I don't know because. Maybe. Finding other jobs is, is more difficult. I don't know. Indeed. And it was a great field to study, but I had no idea what I was doing in college. Um, and to some extent, I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, which is kind of refreshing. You know, um, when I was fresh out of college, had some really great employment opportunities that I was very passionate about. And I started to see a couple of things. Um, I, there's a lot of molds in this world that I don't fit. And there are a lot of stupid rules that I can't get behind. Um, And I like, I mean, I don't know. I like doing things my way, right? So now we've learned on air that I don't like to share and I like to do things my own way. But I also think that there's just a lot of opportunities to think outside the box. And, um, you know, maybe if I was a little bit less naive, I would have spent some time working at a Home Depot or a hardware store. Yeah, but I was never going to do that. Yeah. And so I think the two most important qualities that I have as a business owner are perseverance and resilience. And those are qualities that were instilled in me um, from my parents. Um, I do have a, a background with um, my grandparents and my dad both owning their own businesses. It's in uh. my blood. Yeah, as we speak, I have a picture from the 1940s of my grandparents and my dad in my office. Um, So sometimes I have to look at that photo a few times a day and say, all right, just, you know, I need you with me right now. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot to learn in the real world. And, 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 you know, like I said, making a ton of mistakes that just kind of get you to the point where you're at. Yeah. So how how did you get funding to get started? I mean, think back to you know to to when you were first getting your feet wet how did you get funding yeah i was really fortunate because i went to my dad one night and i said dad this is how much money i need and this is the person i'm going to ask for it can you just help me go through the conversation uh-huh. and he said we're going to change the conversation mom and i are going to loan you the money and you're going to pay me back and I have never worked so hard to pay anyone back as I did with that initial. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was incredibly lucky to get some seed money and um, it's, it's an opportunity and a privilege that I know a lot of people don't have. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that one day it's something I can pass along to someone else. Wow. Yeah. Well, talk about your your day-to-day life. I mean, uh, 
you know, what's, what has been the hardest thing for you about owning and running this business? And I suppose that's changed because your business has changed a lot over the years, but, but I don't know, maybe there's some consistent themes about the things that, that are hardest for you. Yes, it, it definitely changes. Certainly the past, you know, two and a half years have thrown us a few wrenches that, that no one ever saw coming. Um, <laughs> right. One of the reasons that I stick with what I do right now is for my family. So I have the three best kids in the world. Um, I'm not biased at all. And um, I love being able to be home with them in the morning, get them off to school and then start my day and get as much work as I possibly can before the three o'clock school bell rings. And then I'm home with them for the rest of the day. So it is certainly challenging to try to be everyone to everything to everyone um, at home and at work. I've had a lot of practice doing it. um, And where I've had the, the best success is in hiring the best staff I could ask for. So from my management team all the way down, they really just rock at their jobs. Um, I have the, I really have the best team I've ever had in 15 years. So my challenges come from, you know, trying to be present for my team like I want to, trying to be present for my family like I want to, you know, finding a way to carve out time for myself. Um, but I've learned to let go. And and on the other hand, my kids have grown up a little bit. So um, they don't need me like they used that, to. That does help a lot. I can uh, personally attest to that. So um, that that helps tremendously. Um, yeah. So uh, what's a typical day look like for you? Typical day is get up, get my three hooligans out the door, kiss my dogs, <laughs> get to work. Um, I'm trying to spend as much time as I can on high level um work. One of my faults is that I love to work and I love to get my hands on things. So if we're shorthanded in the warehouse, or if we just got clobbered with orders, my natural instinct is to just go in and help. Yeah. And that really does. um, If your boss is, sealing up boxes she's she's actually not really doing what she should be doing yeah and so um i would say i've worked really hard over the and 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 that all really started doris with covid so having to go all hands on deck and doing whatever needed to be done to keep things moving forward um i've had to step out of that and say okay it's time for me to be a stronger leader now. Um, And so I like to work on best practices, um, helping fine tune our processes and procedures, communicating with my chief operating officer about, you know, what's going on with the different programs that we support, making sure that my warehouse manager has what she needs in terms of personnel, um, you know, equipment, you name it. So luckily for me, I really just try to spend the majority of my time supporting my leadership staff. And I love that work. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you, you say that because uh, that is also another comment that I hear very consistently from the guests that I have on my show. Uh, And, and it's, I think it's because most of us who start a business, we, we start it with an idea and a passion and it's, 
it's our baby in a lot of ways. It's one of our babies anyway. Uh, if we're if we're also a mom, um, and Definitely. you know, be, you know, because of that, we we love what we do. We're passionate about it, and it's very easy to get drawn into the day to day crisis du jour. You know, and helping solve those is really. Uh, you know, in some ways, it it's a it it's an it's an eco boost. You know, <laughs> it's a, a way of making sure you feel needed and wanted. And I think um, for a lot of us, it's very difficult to step back and say, um, "Yeah, I could do that, and it would feel really good." But is that the best thing for my business and for the development of my team? Eh, probably not. Um, you know, and you know, I had one other entrepreneur um, uh, just a few weeks ago say she she stepped back from her business and she's like, you know, I could I could leave for like three weeks and they don't miss me at all, and it was mm-hmm. weird. Um, but she said, you know, it was very freeing because I knew my business was growing in value. Because mm-hmm. a business that needs to revolve around the spider. And I've had a couple of other guests talk about how their business, uh, when they decided to get out of it, just collapsed because mm-hmm. they were the spider in the web. And those businesses, um, hard to believe, but, you know, they, those businesses are not as valuable because how in the world do you transfer a business at any point to someone else, if you were the spider in the web and you're getting out of the business, you know? Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a dilemma that's pretty common among lots of entrepreneurs. What have been some of the cha- your biggest challenges over the years that you faced? Well, where do I start? You know, I mean, initially one of the challenges was that there was just nobody else doing what we were doing out there which also brought us a tremendous amount of value. But it's not like we could look at the guy next door and say, hey, how are you doing this? Oh, yeah. um, and while I was fortunate enough to have an initial capital infusion, cash flow is no joke. Um, cash flow has always been a challenge. Um, we've certainly learned how to manage the waves. Um, but it's tricky. Sometimes it feels like it's either feast or famine, and both of them come with their own unique set of challenges. Um, it's very, you know, I, I definitely felt when my kids were very young, the the pull to be home when I was at work and the pull to be at work when I was yeah. at home. I have to confess, I felt really validated and perhaps even a little bit vindicated when COVID hit and people started having to um, get used to working with their kids at home. Kind of wanted to scream and say, you know, I've been doing this for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah. to my world. Exactly. Um, there are some seasonal challenges that we're experiencing right now, like everybody is inflation, um, worker shortages, supply chain crunches, those do feel rather temporary. Uh, I have to say, you know, the willingness to change is, I think, a really important part of being a business owner. But on the same hand, I've had to train myself not to get distracted by all the so is this change for the sake of change or is this change actually the right thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You, you have pivoted 
um, more than once, really, it sounds like. How, what's your advice on pivoting? You know, we as we talked before the show for a few minutes, I, pivoting is probably one of the questions that I get the most questions about from listeners and from friends and colleagues and clients. It's probably one of the most common topics that my guests talk about. How do you know when it's time to pivot and just throw or throw in the towel? And, Hmm. you know, if you're pivoting, how do you know how far to pivot? I mean, so you, you've, you know, you've done this a number of times. Talk a little bit about what you've learned from that process and what advice you might offer to other people. You know, if someone were were to read our company history, I think they'd get a little scared away because in 15 (laughs) years, we've made a lot of changes and um, it's like, well, geez, when is she just going to make up her mind and do just this one thing? Because something we haven't actually talked about is that at the beginning of 2020, before COVID hit, we all kind of realized we're really good at shipping out our own customers' orders. Let's ship out orders for other companies. And so Uh we started, I started a sister business called GAG Fulfillment, which is a 3PL company. We're third-party logistics. We ship orders for for companies who sell their products on on their own websites. Um, And so the change hasn't stopped. Luckily for us, people really ramped up their e-commerce in 2020. And so that business. Right. So fulfillment is uh, pretty important if you're in e-commerce because you can order all you want online, but if it doesn't show up at your doorstep, that's not really very good. Exactly. The cool part about that, and I'll get back to your question, but the cool part of that part about that is that, you know, you really have to get the right product to the right customer on time. And so we have, our best practices absolutely are shared between the two companies. Um, our infrastructure is stronger than it's ever been um, at, at Green Home Experts. And it, it's actually because GEG Fulfillment um, was really successful and required us to you know, step up our game a little bit. But to get over to your question, yeah, change is scary. Um, even when it's attractive, it's scary. I remember getting off the phone with my landlord when she told me she would let me out of my showroom lease and saying, oh, I just got what I asked for. And it was terrifying. Um, but I have to say the one thing that I've always used to inform my decisions are my numbers. So put aside perhaps, or at least, you know, it depends on everybody's entitled their own opinion, but for a minute, let's just put aside how we feel about things. Um, On a day like today, we might have to put aside some recession fears. We might have to set aside some uncertainty about the market, the housing market, you name it. And let's look at where our revenue really is coming from. And then let's look at where our profitability is coming from. And those aren't always aligned. So if you have good numbers, then you have a strong foundation to make data-informed decisions. And um, that's really what we use to drive. And of course, there's a ton of other things that go into it, right? But I, I believe that your numbers, your financials should be at the heart of your decision. Yeah. So being able to step back and 
really try to be objective, avoid the, this is my baby syndrome and try to be, try to stay objective about it. Oh gosh. I was a shopkeeper who had an awesome garden center, this phenomenal community that had, you know, sort of built themselves around me and, and supported us. We taught canning classes, floral arrangement classes. Oh my. We were painting. I mean, we just did the coolest things. Yeah. Um, I, for me, that would have been hard to let go of. It was hard to let go of, Doris. But by that point, I had 2.9 kids who I knew were going to be um, very expensive to feed. Turns out that's true. Um, and I wanted a certain lifestyle for us that that um, I was hoping that our business could afford. Yeah. And being a shopkeeper wasn't it. I was working every day of the week and, you know, giving my all at work. And I didn't have a whole lot left when I got home. Yeah. I, like many other consumers who visit shops like yours, you know, we have no idea of the personal sacrifice and the number of hours that it takes to run that. And frankly, how crushing it must be for some of those businesses to be put out of business, essentially, by big box stores. Um, Absolutely. It's just tough. Absolutely. And so you bring up a great point because while I used my financials to help inform our decision about going from a uh, um, showroom to a warehouse, the other thing is that when I got into the, into the business, you couldn't find this stuff anywhere. It wasn't at Home Depot. It wasn't at Target. It was nowhere to be found. And that was great for us. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I had customers coming in and saying, well, this soap is $5.99 here, but it's $4.99 at Target. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And then a Target opened in, I think we had already closed, but a Target did open in the town that that our showroom was in. So, you know, reading the market trends and listening to your customers, it helps solidify the decision. Yep. Got to stay very nimble and open. Maria, one of the things that you seem to be pretty able to do is to separate yourself and the numbers from the it's my baby kind of thing. To be able to look at those market trends with a unblinking eye and the numbers and say, you know, I love this business, but it just 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 can't continue like this. What advice do you have for helping people get past this is my baby, this is my this is my arms and my legs, my part of me, I can't let go. How do you get to the point where you can step back and look at your business more objectively, do you think? When I had my first son, I remember my mom telling me, Maria, my job as your mom was to give you roots and wings. And I'm having a hard time with the wing part on my kids. I'll tell you that much. I like having them around. But actually, I truly believe that as a business owner, we have to give our business roots and wings. And so what that means is I am not my business. Believe me, there are a lot of times when I feel like I am. Yeah. But the value or the worth or the profitability of my business doesn't dictate my worth as a human being. My business successes are not all mine. In fact, my team is really responsible for most of our wins. 
And I've had a ton of failures and a ton of losses, but those also don't define me. What defines me is what I do when I'm knocked down. Do I get back up? Or what do I do after a big win, right? How do I go forward? I really believe that my job as a leader is to often be asking myself and my team, what's next? I know what it's like to feel like you are, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Your business just consumes you. It's actually a great feeling. It's something not a lot of people can understand. And so on the other hand, it can actually be kind of isolating. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we love things so hard that they kind of die out on us. We kind of squash them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, like, yeah, I, I joke, no, that's I right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah. Loving what you do and being passionate about your business doesn't mean it's going to be successful. I know all about that. Um, I mean, come on. If the Bears won as many games as, as we believe in their ability to, the Chicago Bears would be champs, right? <laughs> yes, I mean, it's but, just like... But when was the last time they were champs? I don't know. I think there was some guy named the Fridge or something. There that sure was. was. You know? Yes. Yes. It's been a long time. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing, too. What's wrong with changing what you're passionate about? What's wrong with saying that didn't work? I'm going to give this a shot. It def- I mean, there's definitely a lot of liabilities there. We can't be changing our mind every week, right? And I would like to take a minute and assure all of my customers that GHG is not changing its business model anytime soon. We have definitely landed on what's working for us. But let's separate the person from the business, okay? Just tuck your ego behind your back for a minute and make informed decisions. Because here's the other thing. For me, the big threat has always been, if this doesn't work, I have to go get a job. And Doris, I am telling you, I am wholly unemployable at this point. (laughs) I'm ruined. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay the queen bee. I love that, by the way. I saw that that's your, your, the queen bee is your title. I, I have mislabeled you as the CEO because I know that on your website, you are the self-proclaimed queen bee. Well, you know, when you're responsible for printing the business cards, you can put whatever you want on there. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Well, it is It is very hard. Um, you know, I think a lot of, um, one of my other guests put it this way. She said, you know, we're we're often our own en- worst enemies. Mm-hmm. We, get in our, we get in our own way a lot. And I think that's true, not just of entrepreneurs. That's probably true of all of us human beings in whatever we're setting out to do, right? Absolutely. And who cares? I mean, who cares if you make a change? People make job changes throughout their careers all the time. Right. You know, if you are really making the best decision for you and the people in your universe, just go for it. Also, no one is paying as much attention to this whole thing as you are. Yeah, absolutely. What do you feel looking back? You were surprisingly well prepared to do as an entrepreneur. And conversely, what did you feel like you were least prepared to do? (laughs) How many more hours do you have in the day? Oh, well, we... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to start with the strengths. No one's going to outwork me. 
basketball was my passion as a kid and I was never the best kid on the court, but I was absolutely always the hardest worker. And um, I've also learned, you know, like we talked about before, sometimes I can, can get in your way as a leader, but no one's going to outwork me. It's just not going to happen. I was the only employee of my company for the first year and a half. So I needed that resilience. Um, I can, I can accept defeat pretty easily. Um, I'm pretty good at losing and figuring out how to do better next time. Um, and you need that, you know, you need that in January when there's two feet of snow on the ground and no one's coming into your shop door. It's hard. That, that is resiliency. And that is one of the, the most important traits I've come to believe about being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I've also just been able to surround myself a little bit through coincidence and a little bit intentionally with phenomenal human beings in my life. So I've always had a really supportive network from my family. Um, Could you imagine being married to me and supporting all these harebrained ideas? (laughs) I often joke that my husband is the anchor and I'm the sale and, you know, it's not going to change. So just having a really supportive network you know, having people I can go to for help and sometimes to celebrate the wins too. On the flip side, what was I ill-prepared for? It's a much longer list. I don't think anyone really understands how hard it is to own your own business until you do it yourself. You know, if you're, get, if you're ready to get into business, are you ready to be, uh, uh, unless you have some crazy access to capital, and a strong, solid network around you, are you ready to be the bookkeeper, the janitor, the purchasing manager, the sales rep? You know, are you ready? The social to be- media promoter, oh. the marketer. Beyond 24 right? seven. Yeah. And you really have to be really good at each one of those roles. That's bananas. Right. And it's a lot easier for me to talk about, you know, work-life balance now, but man, my business absolutely consumed me for many years. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it still does. But to go back to talking about the willingness to not dive into your business, something that I've recently started to try focusing on is telling myself, this business can run without me getting out of the showroom or out of the warehouse floor. I have, a, I have a phenomenal team. We have great procedures. Maybe I should just pat myself on the back for getting us to that point and yes. enjoy yes. the second cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds like you're very consci- conscious about making some of those decisions. Um, and because boy, that knee jerk reaction, uh, I don't know about you, but it's certainly been strong with me to just want to go out there and help out, roll up the Mm -hmm. sleeves, of course, you know, but you're right. It's actually not good for anybody. Yeah. Maria, how do you see your business growing in the next say three to five years? What will it look like if you're successful? Well, I can tell you the only thing that's actually limiting our business growth right now is our physical space. We are busting out. um, We're busting at the seams in our warehouse. We currently occupy about 16,000 square feet in our warehouse. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I'd love to have at least 50% more of that. And Doris, just in case any of my staff listens to this, I hear you guys. I'm trying. (laughs) 
yeah well um, the one good thing is there's probably uh well i don't know about warehouse space there's certainly a glut of commercial office space but yeah uh, maybe, maybe not that much warehouse space these days yes you're absolutely right so we're we're definitely experiencing some limits along those lines but um i actually am working on you know, solving that problem. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit longer to solve these problems than I wish it would. But we have phenomenal relationships with our clients. So here's something that I just love about my work. We don't have a big beefy marketing budget. We don't go to trade shows. I don't have outside sales reps. Somehow I struck gold and was able to land in an industry where the relationships that you have with your clients are you know, the most important thing that we have. We have a diverse group of phenomenal businesses who rely on us. Um, I often say we're responsible for shipping their success. So the fact of the matter is our clients really could not be successful in their programs without us, without us being, you know, the product side of what they do. Yeah. And so we spend time nourishing those relationships, um, making sure like, you know, that we're adding value to, to the relationship, making sure that they understand, um, you know, what we're trying to do for them, communicating with them, just keeping a really open relationship. And at times that those conversations have had to be very frank and difficult to swallow. Um, but how lucky am I to have customers who feel comfortable in coming to me and saying, we need to fix this. What we actually spend more of our time doing is going to our customers and saying, hey, you know what? We actually know what we're doing here. And here's a couple of tweaks that we should make in the process to make this better for you. I love that. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I don't know. Utilities strike me as um, as um, kind of a unique breed of customers. I mean, um, they're. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say slow to change, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe slow to change. <laughs> hey, you said it, girlfriend, not me. Yeah. You know, they're big organizations, right? right? And they have a ton of accountability to ratepayers and right. lawmakers. Right. Um, one of our core values is versatility. So our core values here are integrity, versatility, commitment to excellence, growth-minded, and having fun. And Versatility means one of our clients comes to us and says, we need to get this done. It's going to take us a year to figure out how to do it. Hey, Green Home Experts, can you do it? And 85% of the time we're like, yeah, it'll be done next week. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. The the ability, being nimble is probably not an ad, nimble is probably not an adjective that's been applied to most uh, electric and, and gas utilities, not the larger ones, you know, maybe some right startup solar thing. Yeah, maybe, but you know, but, but yeah, they're almost, uh, you know, my very first job out of college, actually, I worked for the state public service commission and, uh, was, was, um, uh, forced to you know, um, they ever, every time the utilities would come in, they do these rate, you know, rate testimony. So every time what, what you pay as a utility customer is determined by your state public service commission. 
and they have hearings and the utility will trot in and say, well, we need to have a rate increase because la, 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 because Maria's business is costing us a lot of money and we, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then the, the state public service commission will say, yeah, not so much. We'll let you have a little bit here, but not all this. Right. So anyway, so that was my job by uh, working in that HC, my very first job out of college. But what I could say is as a result of that sort of symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. almost of but between the public service commission and the utilities is that they, you know, some of these utilities are almost more like a quasi state agency, mm-hmm. than, um, you know, than a, they're, they're closer to that anyway than they are to to Amazon or some startup business, right? Right. right. You know, Doris, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, and I, I, I'm still learning so much about you. I, when you write your memoir, let me know because I'd love to read the book. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, it would well. Thank you. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm very flattered, but um, and and that's not why I do the show. But uh, but. You know, I've sort of tacked my way through life and um, I've learned so many different things along the way. And I think, again, I, I'm I'm living, breathing proof of what you were saying, Maria, which is don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to jump into the unknown. You know, things will turn out OK. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it will be some tough times, but you know, believe in yourself. Uh, we're all capable of so much uh, that, you know, it, we just, we need to believe in ourselves and we need to surround ourselves with a great network of people. Speaking speaking of the great network, I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up about that. You have mentioned a few resources that have helped you along the way, at least before we started the show. And then you also mentioned another one to me in passing, Founding Moms. Talk about how you found resources and a network of people to help ground that sale that's Maria Onesto Moran. Oh, man. Well, yes, I, I am absolutely fortunate to have such a supportive network professionally and, and personally. The Founding Moms is this phenomenal online community that is basically exactly what it, what it sounds like. Um, it's a membership community for mom entrepreneurs. Um, and the woman who owns it, Um, Jill Salzman, she also provides a ton of valuable content to her members like marketing and finance and um, just just great tools on on how to keep things up and running. But also then there's a shared community of members who can bounce ideas off of each other or, you know, search for resources. Um, It's it's a phenomenal resource. Is it it focused on any kind of industry or is it more focused on the kinds of issues that that CEOs and founders who are moms are going to face or or just whatever comes up? You know, sometimes it feels like whatever comes up, there's a really diverse um, group of members. You know, there's, I know, accountants, graphic designers, um, people who have product-based businesses, um, business coaches. Um, I mean, there's just people who have tons of different 
businesses that are in the group. And of course, then they also have a, a diverse background personally. You know, some of them have real little, little ones all the way through, you know, moms of kids who have left the nest. What advice would you offer about how to find some of those resources and how to lean on them in the tough times? Hmm. Luckily for us, you know, the internet can bring us pretty much anything that we want, right, for better or for worse. So definitely, you know, if you're looking for resources for your business, there are trade groups, you know, specific to certain industries that can be helpful. There are a ton of publications like Inc., um, Entrepreneur Magazine, you know, where you can start to read about some market trends or, um, you know, you name it. And for me, you know, I did receive some um, coaching at the beginning of my business from the Women's Business Development Center. Um, and I was, I was able to take, you know, take some good nuggets from there. Um, and the nice thing is, once you, st- you know, if you're starting out in your business, if you start to believe in what you're doing, other people are going to believe you too, right? I mean, they don't know any better. <laughs> and so if you can get, I, similar to what you just said, I've learned, if you can fake it till you make it, people start to enter your orbit who, uh, who need to be in your universe. Wow. That's kind of Zen, you know? <laughs> Well, Doris, my kids are back to school and my house is empty during the day. So I have a lot of reason to be Zen right now. (laughs) Last question for you. Well, last couple of questions. Um, You know, we haven't talked about you being a female CEO and founder in a, in a world that, um, you know, probably there aren't that many women. And in fact, you, you even alluded to the fact that because you're a woman owned certified business that has helped your business grow. Any advice for women entrepreneurs um, that you you've picked up along the way uh, or particularly for women, maybe who are in an industry that there's not as many women out there in. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, anyone can fake it till they make it right. Man, woman, or anything else. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've had to overcome that I think a lot of women can, can understand is we don't need to be every, everything to everyone, but we can manage all those people. (laughs) You know, I, I mean, I remember when I had my showroom, I would have people come in off the street trying to sell me something and say, is the owner here? And I'd look at them like, why wouldn't you like, what? And I always said, no, sorry, they're not here right now. I've I'm sorry, cert- but that's just hilarious. Oh, it's one way to put it. I would have probably tried to trip them on the way back to the car or something. Well, you know, I always had a mallet for my paint cans behind the desk. And there were a few times I was tempted to use it, but I didn't. Um, I don't hear it as often as I used to, but I, I certainly have people who either say or have said, is this your husband's business or does your husband work in the business? And I thought I can guarantee no one has ever asked my husband, Oh, does your wife help coach your football team? Does your wife teach with you? Um, It does. It actually makes my blood boil. It makes me crazy. Yeah. So, you know, 
My advice to female business owners is probably really similar to what it, what it is to anyone who's really trying to achieve any goal. The first person you have to believe in is yourself. And if you, if you really believe that you can do what you're setting out to do, other people are going to start to believe in you as well. And we don't have to be everything to everyone. And it's okay to admit defeat. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to change things that aren't working. Again, I've learned actually no one is really paying as close attention to any of this as we are. Yeah. Right. And most of us get into business for ourselves to experience the freedom and the fulfillment of what we do and of being our own boss. And if you're not feeling free and fulfilled, you're the one who has to make the change. Yep. Great advice. All right. Well, I promise last question, um, <laughs> share with people your website uh, or how to contact you if there's something you said that sparks an interest for them. Yeah. Thanks, Doris. Our company website for green home experts is ghexperts.com. Our website for GHE Fulfillment is a real simple ghefulfillment.com. And um, you can contact me through either one of those websites. Fantastic. Maria, thanks so much for being with me today. It was really fun to have you on the show. And you are a tower of strength, woman. I tell you, um, just quiet, confident strength. And so it was just a pleasure to hear about your story. And I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be on the show this week. Thank you so much, Doris. I, I, appreciate what you do. I appreciate you getting the stories out. And, um, you know, as a listener, I'm, I'm definitely taking away some nuggets as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to all my listeners. You're the reason I do this. Now, before I wrap up this week's show, I want to put in a couple of shameless plugs of my own. First, you can find lots of free, helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservices.com. You can Find all sorts of tools, ebooks, uh, lots of ar an archive of lots of the past savvy entrepreneur shows that are chock full of tips and helpful information. Um, you can check out my new dedicated YouTube channel, which is called the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show. And there you can listen to and even download all sorts of past episodes of the show. I invite you to listen in to some of the past shows I have had and have been blessed with so many amazing guests. You will, I promise you, enjoy most of the listens and, uh, and come away with some great tips. So follow my channel, listen to some of the episodes, comment on them. Um, and if you follow it, you'll be sure to be able to catch future shows as they're posted. You'll be supporting the work of the Savvy Entrepreneur and also lots of your fellow entrepreneurs who will appreciate your help in getting the word out about all the great things they're doing. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern time. I'll have another great guest and topic. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel wishing you happy entrepreneuring.